You're listening to Comedy Central. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show. I'm Trevor Noah, and we're back from our July 4th break. I really hope that you've stayed healthy during this crazy time. Uh, as for myself, I spent most of the break stabbing things around my apartment just to see if it was actually cake. And the good news is, my roommate was not cake. The bad news is, I need a new roommate. Either way, on tonight's show, Donald Trump goes off to the true enemy in this coronavirus pandemic, Dr. Fauci. Michael Costa solves the dilemma over reopening schools, and Hillary Clinton drops by to make America feel bad about its choices. So let's do this, people. Welcome to The Daily Social Distancing Show. From Trevor's couch in New York City to your couch somewhere in the world, this is The Daily Social Distancing Show with Trevor Noah. Ears edition. Let's kick things off with the Black Lives Matter movement. Although you may be hearing less about them than you used to, protests are still going on around the country, in part because police brutality is still going on around the country. And the ripple effects of this movement are reaching all aspects of American life, including a long-awaited change in the NFL. The Washington Redskins have officially retired the Redskins name and Indian head logo after 87 years. The football team announced the change following recent pressure from sponsors and decades of criticism that they are offensive to Native Americans. They are now working on a new name and design, which might take some time due to trademark issues. Warriors, Red Wolves, and Red Tails are just some of the most popular choices among fans on social media. Major retailers have already removed Redskins apparel from store shelves and websites. Yes, after decades of resisting, the Washington Redskins have finally decided to change their name. And look, this is a step in the right direction, but it almost feels like dismantling structural racism is so difficult that instead, America's just crossing off the easier items on its racism to-do list. Okay, uh, next item, uh, we gotta create an equal and just society. Hmm, all right, let's skip that one. Um, What about changing the name of a football team and canceling Aunt Jemima, yeah? That should hold us over for a year. So the old name is officially gone. But now, the team is searching for a new name. And I'll be honest, I think when it comes to a new name, they gotta keep it simple, keep it safe. Change the name to the Washington Washingtons. Yeah, it's catchy, it's easy to remember, and most importantly, it honors one of the greatest Americans of all time. My man. (laughs) In other news, Former Trump campaign advisor and man genetically designed to look guilty, Roger Stone, is back in the headlines. Stone was about to begin a 40-month prison sentence for witness tampering, lying to Congress, and obstruction of justice in connection with the Mueller investigation. But it turns out, it really does pay to have friends in high places. Tonight, the breaking news, the president commuted the prison sentence for his friend of several decades, Roger Stone. Just days before Stone was set to begin his more than three-year prison sentence, the president making his longtime friend and ally a free man. The 67-year-old promised to never turn on the president. This is what Stone told Howard Feynman. He knows I was under enormous pressure to turn on him. It would have eased my situation considerably, but I didn't. Republican Senator Mitt Romney accusing the president of unprecedented historic corruption. This is bribery, pure and simple, a quid pro quo. The president, through this commutation, is basically saying, if you lie for me, if you cover up for me, if you have my back, then I will make sure that you get a get-out-of-jail-free card. Oh, wow. 
I think Trump is gonna have to update his campaign chants after this. Lock him up! Unless he's my friend, then set him free! Seriously, I love how Trump is the law and order president when it comes to his enemies or marginalized groups being sent to jail, but as soon as it's one of his friends, he becomes a prison abolitionist. The prison system in this country is out of control. We gotta fix it. Roger, get out. All right, problem solved. Back to the way it was. And we all see what happened here, right? Roger Stone lied to protect Donald Trump, and in exchange, Trump rewarded Stone by getting him out of prison. And what's even more amazing is that Stone straight up said he deserved a get-out-of-jail-free card because he could have turned on Trump, but he didn't. Like, is there any interaction Trump has with another person that isn't a quid pro quo? Dad, can you pass the salt? I pass the salt. You disappear. And once again, Donald Trump has exposed the flaws in America's system. Because you can be mad at Trump, but America is the one who gave him the option in the first place. If you have the power to release any of your friends from prison and you don't do it, then you're a bitch-ass friend. I'll do it, I'll release all my friends. You know who should be angriest about this? The jurors. Think about it, you were on a jury. You had to sit there for months, listening to all the testimony, the deliberating, the sitting in that tiny room, eating the shitty sandwiches, and then the verdict is tossed out because the guy's accomplice happens to be the president? Like, I don't even know why people get lawyers anymore. You'd be better off just spending your time in the courtroom kissing Trump's ass. That's what court should be. It should devolve into that. Instead of a jury, it should just be Trump in a chair with his back turned, and if your compliments are good enough, he just smashes the button and you're free. Moving on to coronavirus. The only thing in 2020 that still hasn't been canceled. Yesterday, New York City recorded zero COVID-19 deaths for the first time since March. And that's truly amazing news, guys. Because if this continues, then hopefully New Yorkers can get back to dying from their usual things, you know? Like being kicked in the throat by a subway dancer. But unfortunately, across the rest of America, things are worse than ever. Breaking news tonight, staggering numbers out of Florida. More than 15,000 COVID cases confirmed in just one day. Miami-Dade hospitals are at 94% ICU capacity, with the mayor confirming six are now full. If the Sunshine State were its own country, it would rank fourth highest in the world for new COVID cases. In Texas, confirmed cases continue to climb. Nearly 6,000 reported today. Hard-hit Michigan now seeing an uptick in cases after hundreds attended July 4th late. And we've seen the stunning images of testing lines stretching for miles. Thousands waiting weeks for results in Arizona. Some labs facing a 30-day backlog. 13 states are reporting testing problems. You know, I don't know what's worse, honestly. The fact that so many states reopened too early or the fact that they are now facing problems that should have been solved months ago. Surging cases, PPE shortages, testing backlogs. These are all the same problems America was dealing with back in March. So clearly, other than coronavirus getting a summer tan, nothing has changed. And these states saw what happened in New York. They saw it happen here months ago. They had time to prepare. And they're still not handling it right? You know in a horror movie when the teenagers run upstairs away from the killer instead of running outside? This is like if they didn't even run. They just stayed on the couch watching TV. Oh, where's Darren? He's dead. All right, what's the next episode? I mean, at this rate, America is gonna solve its testing issues eight or nine months after we have a vaccine. And while hospitals are filling up and more people are getting sick, Mickey Mouse has decided that the show must go on. 
Disney welcomed guests back to the most magical place on Earth Saturday, the biggest test yet of a major corporation opening its doors in the middle of a pandemic. There are strict safety and social distancing protocols. Visitors are required to wear masks and they'll hear this message. For the health and safety of everyone, please wear a face covering. Wash your hands often and thoroughly. Cover your mouth and nose when coughing and sneezing and maintain physical distancing. Thank you for your cooperation. Basically what we're saying is, why are you at Disney World, dumbass? It's crazy that we're in the middle of a pandemic that's killed hundreds of thousands of people, and there are still folks out there like, life isn't scary enough, let's, let's go on a roller coaster. I mean, look, when my time comes, my time comes. But I'm gonna do all I can to make sure that my obituary doesn't say, cause of death, Space Mountain. And this isn't just dangerous for the visitors. Think about the risk this poses to all of the Disney employees. I mean, the safest job they have right now is the one inside a 200-degree rat costume. Like, what dad is so cheap that this vacation is worth the risk? Honey, it's 15% off Disney tickets. But Harry, isn't there a pandemic right now? 15% off. You go get the kids, I'm gonna load the van. Now, Mickey Mouse isn't the only cartoon character people have been imploring to take the coronavirus a little more seriously. Because for months now, people have also been begging President Trump to at least lead by example and wear a mask in public. And for months, he has flat out refused. But then, this happened. Breaking news tonight, a huge shift for President Trump wearing a mask in public. Six months into the coronavirus pandemic and President Trump finally wore a mask for the first time in public. He did so while visiting Walter Reed Medical Center this weekend. This image again about the president wearing the mask will stick out to a lot of people in the days and weeks ahead. Okay, guys, I don't know about you, but I think this is the day Donald Trump finally became president. And look, I'm glad that Trump finally put a mask on, but it's gotta be confusing for his supporters who have been mocking face masks this whole time. I mean, to them, this must be like seeing Trump at a Black Lives Matter march with AOC. And I know that part of the reason Trump resisted wearing a mask for so long is because he's very self-conscious about his image, right? That's why he didn't wanna do it. So let me go on record as saying, President Trump, don't listen to any of the haters out there who's saying you look like diabetic Bane or Shredder from the Ninja Turtles if all he shredded was cheese. You look great. So please keep wearing that mask. So the good news is that Trump finally seems to be catching up to the reality of the pandemic. But you know Trump, now he has to pretend that he was doing a great job the whole time which means he has to find someone else to blame for doing a bad job. And you'll never guess who he picked. The president and the nation's top infectious disease doctor are not on speaking terms. Now the White House is trying to discredit Dr. Anthony Fauci. Fauci now says he hasn't briefed the president in over two months and hasn't actually seen him at the White House since June 2nd. In a stunning development, some administration officials are treating him like a political rival, releasing what they say is a list of questionable statements by Dr. Fauci, even though many of them were taken out of context or widely accepted in the early days of the pandemic. Last night, Mr. Trump fueled the apparent feud between him and Dr. Anthony Fauci. Dr. Fauci's a nice man, but he's made a lot of mistakes. Unlike me, who's not a very nice man, but has never made any mistakes. This is positively insane. Donald Trump is spending more time trying to defeat Dr. Fauci than defeating the coronavirus. Can you imagine doing actual opposition research about someone on your own 
team. It's like if Ben put out a press release saying that Jerry personally sneezes in every pint of Chunky Monkey. You both lose. And don't get it twisted. I'm not saying Dr. Fauci never got anything wrong. I'm not saying that. Every expert in the world got something wrong when COVID-19 first emerged because it was something they'd never seen before, hence novel. It's like when you first start baking bread, you don't know how to prepare yeast properly, but then after three months of baking it, you've got enough experience to know that you can just get that shit at the store. I mean, we're four months into a global pandemic and the leader of the free world just started wearing a mask. This is the same person who was thinking about bleaching his lungs and now he's trying to point his tiny fingers at Dr. Fauci. But if you ask me, the worst part about all of this is that the White House isn't just attacking Dr. Fauci, they're doing it like cowards with leaks to the press. If you're gonna go after someone, at least give them the respect to be upfront about it like this. As the coronavirus pandemic rages and cases rise uncontrollably, there's one man to blame, Anthony Fauci. Fauci says he's a doctor, but what kind of doctor doesn't wear a stethoscope? And if he's really a doctor, why is he so short? We don't need leaders who adjust their assessment when they get new information. We need leaders who stick with their gut assessment despite new information. That's going to sort it's of going just to disappear. disappear. If Fauci cares so much about saving lives, why didn't he do anything about the Spanish flu? And if he loves Americans so much, why is he palling around with suspicious immigrants? Anthony Fauci, definitely the only person to blame for this whole situation. Oh boy. I think Trump is gonna do pretty well against Dr. Fauci in November. When we come back, we'll figure out how schools in America are gonna reopen. Yeah, we solved it. Stick around. Welcome back to the Daily Social Distancing Show. Thanks to the coronavirus, the big debate right now is, well, two things. One, is elbow kissing considered cheating? And two, how do you reopen schools? How can you get kids learning again, but keep them and their teachers safe. Because kids may not be badly affected by coronavirus, but teachers easily could be. And a lot of people don't know this, but teachers have families of their own. Yeah, it's true. Mrs. Nicholson didn't sleep in the classroom at night. She had a house and everything. So because of this, schools are trying to come up with different solutions. Some of them have decided to have outdoor classes, but that means that all the pale kids are gonna fail. New York City has announced it'll only have kids come into class one to three days a week, like an ear, nose, throat specialist. But then the question is, what are parents supposed to do on the days when their kids are at home? And some schools in America have decided that they're just gonna throw kids into the classroom and hope for the best. Sort of like the Hunger Games, except instead of money, you get no grandparents. Now, President Trump has demanded that all schools open up as normal. And he's even threatening to withhold federal funding from schools that refuse. So just so we're on the same page, he won't touch the police, but he'll defund the shit out of schools. Like, let's, let's agree on that. Everybody wants schools to reopen. The question is, can it be done safely? And the problem is, it doesn't seem like the federal government knows how to make that happen. For instance, here's Betsy DeVos, Secretary of Education and your new stepmom who immediately sent you to fat camp, trying to explain the administration's plan. What are experts telling you about the appropriate level of transmission for a school before it has to shut down? 
Well, I know that that's an area that the CDC is helping to provide further insight into. Um, I, I can't, as a non-physician or a non-medical expert, tell you precisely what to do in the case of one child in a classroom or five child children in a classroom to okay, be able so to. Okay, so just to, to be clear, are you uh, saying that areas where there is their, a flare-up that schools should revert to remote learning? I'm saying that schools should have plans. Like, I truly don't understand how there's bailouts for airlines, free money for the banks, but when it comes to schools, they're just like, here's a can of Lysol, good luck. I'll be honest. At this point, I don't understand why anybody is a teacher in America. You're underpaid, you're overworked, you have to deal with school shootings, and now this? Like, I don't know, maybe Betsy DeVos's master plan is to just hope that the school shooters kill the coronavirus and the problems just cancel each other out. Cause I don't understand what else she's thinking. America can't just open schools because other countries have opened schools. Those countries got coronavirus under control first. One comes because of the other. It's like when I was growing up, I really wanted Jordans. I really wanted Jordans. But I didn't realize that all my friends had Jordans because their parents had disposable income. I didn't understand the link. So that didn't stop me from trying to have what my friends had. And you know what happened? I kept on pushing and pushing. And for my birthday, I got a pair of Gordons, the official shoe of Gordon Ramsay. For more on how to reopen schools, I'm joined by a man who's been repeatedly fired as a substitute teacher, Michael Costa. What's going on, Costa? It's great, Trevor. It, it took me a month, but I finally got rid of all those fireworks I had laying around, so. Wait, that was you? Dude, I couldn't sleep. You know what, we're gonna talk about this later, but right now, the big issue in America is how can the country reopen schools safely? Yeah, well, the good news, Trevor, is that I have a solution that works out for everybody, okay? So check this out. One, we know parents want their kids out of the house, and two, we know children are less susceptible to corona, so why don't we solve both problems at once? Let's send children to work at meatpacking plants. Think about it. The kids stay busy and we get all the chicken nuggets that God blessed us with. You're welcome. Hold on, Costa. You want children to spend the school day meatpacking. So you're trying to bring back child labor? Please, Trevor, child labor never went away. We just outsourced it to different countries. I wanna bring those American jobs back home. Respectfully, I don't think you can just eliminate the school system. Why not? You only go to school so you can get a job. I'm cutting out the middleman. Think about all the successful people that dropped out of school. Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg, Brad Pitt. Yeah, but, but they dropped out of college, not second grade. Can you imagine how much more successful they would be if they just would have dropped out earlier? But the kids won't be learning anything. That's not true. You can learn everything that you learned in school at a meatpacking plant. Finding out where the T-bone is, that's biology. Learning how much antibiotics a cow can take before it dies, that's chemistry. How about some math problems? If Timmy is boxing ground beef at 10 boxes a minute, how many warnings does it take before we fire slow-ass Timmy? How many? None, because I caught Timmy talking to a union organizer. You're fired, Timmy. Pack up your shit. Bye. Okay, Costa, not, not only is this idea despicable, it will never work. On the contrary, Trevor, I'm running a pilot program right now. I got my neighbor's kids packing meat as we speak. 
And I got so much meat, I don't even know what to do with it. Oh, oh man, hold on. I gotta go. It, it sounds like Mason got his overalls stuck in the meat grinder again. I'm gonna call you back. Mason, you're okay. Just breathe, buddy. Michael Costa, everybody. I'm definitely reporting him. All right, when we come back, I'll be talking to the winner of the 2016 popular vote, Hillary Clinton. Don't go away. Welcome back to The Daily Social Distancing Show. Earlier today, I spoke with former Secretary of State and 2016 Democratic presidential nominee, Hillary Rodham Clinton. We discussed the pandemic, the upcoming election, and the Hulu docuseries about her life called Hillary. Check it out. Secretary Clinton, welcome to The Daily Social Distancing Show. (laughs) Well, I'm social distancing in my house and it's great to talk to you today too. Genuinely, a lot of the time I find myself wondering just like what you're doing and where you are as a human being. Because I know if I was in your position, I would spend most of my time tweeting, I told you so. And then I would be like, I would walk around the streets just looking at people saying, it could have been me, it could have been me. So what, like, what do you do? I genuinely would like to know, what do you do? Oh, well, you know, before the lockdown, I was doing all of that. I mean, you know, there's probably video. (laughs) (laughs) You should go find it or maybe I'll help you. Uh, You know, for the last, what, how many months? I've been at home since uh, mid-March, like everybody else. Um, And I've done a lot of uh, walking in the woods, one of my favorite things to do. I've done a lot of reading and some writing. Uh, This was the big year that we were going to be celebrating the 100th anniversary of American women Uh, finally getting the right to vote and working to support the groups that um, I help support through my organization Onward Together. And then I get to spend time with my grandchildren, which I have to say is the biggest silver lining, Trevor, that you can imagine during this very uh, difficult time. So, you know, we're, I I don't know what I do all day, but I'm exhausted every night. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that's everyone in Corona. We're all, we're all tired and we don't, we don't really know why. Um, I, I do know that you've been really active in, in, you know, in having your voice heard. One of the biggest things you've been passionate about is voting. It seems like America's on an ominous path to a November date when there's going to be a lot of questions in and around the election. Donald Trump is vehemently against mail-in voting. What do you make of this and what do you think the path should be to getting people the easiest access to casting their votes? Republicans have uh, two prongs to their strategy to try to win. The first is try to prevent as many people who they think won't vote for them from voting. So, you know, make the lines really long uh, where young people vote or African-Americans vote uh, or Hispanics vote. Uh, Try to make uh, vote by mail as difficult as possible. Uh, Claim it's fraudulent when indeed it's not. In fact, that's how Donald Trump votes and everybody who uh, knows about vote by mail understands that. And so I've been working with a group called Democracy Docket, led by uh, the lawyer Mark Elias, to help support the lawsuits that are being brought around the country, just to make the vote available, you know, to make it clear that, look, let's have a fair election. And that means let as many people who are eligible citizens uh, to go vote. Are you you at all concerned about Uh, irregularities in voting or fraud. I mean, for instance, we saw the case in New Jersey, I I think it was a few weeks ago now, where ironically it was some, a councilman who I think was, um, was changing the votes for, in in Republicans' favor. Is there a part of you that, that is worried that Donald Trump would be able to use any of those stories to try and undermine the entire election and say, you see, there's that one and there's that one, 
I don't think we should trust this election at all because it says that I've lost. Well, I think it is um, a fair point to raise as to whether or not if he loses, um, he's going to go quietly or not. Uh, and we have to be ready for that. But there have been so many uh, academic studies and other analyses which point out that it's just a, uh, it's a, it's an inaccurate fraudulent claim. There isn't that problem. All the games that are played and all of the photo IDs and any kind of restriction that can be imposed to try to keep the vote down in places that aren't going to vote for Republicans, uh, that's the real danger to the integrity of our election. That combined with misinformation and disinformation and all of the online uh, shenanigans that we saw in 2016. So uh, I'm, look, I want a fair election. If people get to vote and they, for whatever reason, vote you know, for Donald Trump, okay, we'll accept it. Not happily. But I don't think that's what will happen because I think the more people who can actually get to the polls, whether by mail or in person, mm -hmm. and get their votes counted, then we are going to have the kind of election we should have. And then uh, it'll be a win both in the popular vote and in the Electoral College. You... Um are the star and subject of a docu-series on Hulu. And for many people, I think maybe even myself included, I saw a side of you that was refreshing and different. And for lack of a better term, you had a swag about you that not many people knew you had, you know? Do you feel more free or is that, uh, is that just captured well in the documentary? Is there a part of you that goes like, you know what, I'm free, screw, screw whatever. Yeah, there is. There's really a big part of that. And, and, and the documentary, um, you know, I was interviewed for 35 hours. And wow. I, yeah, I, and my feeling once I agreed to do the project uh, was, you know, this is it. I, I, you know, I'm not running for anything. I'm going to just, you know, say it like it is the best I can. Um, and a lot of people have said what you've said. My gosh, I never saw that side of her or whatever. And so, you know, I, I know that the, the pressures of being in public life and being misunderstood and being, you know, kind of subjected to the attacks and the criticism, I, I know that it probably made me a little less available and open um, and probably a little hunkered down, if you will. And my life is a little bit like a Rorschach test where, you know, people who are comfortable with women seeking and holding power, uh, being outspoken, you know, see it and think, oh my gosh, well, yeah, of course. And then people who aren't, maybe they'll, you know, begin to, you know, think differently about that. And many women have said that they've said, Hillary Clinton got further and did more than I ever dared to think was possible. If there's, if there's another Hillary out there who's running and beginning her journey, what would you warn her about or tell her to try and look out for to just give her a little advantage in a world where she desperately needs it? You will be criticized no matter what you do. Um, and so take criticism seriously because sometimes your critics actually can teach you something. But don't take it personally. Don't let it eat away at you. Don't let it knock you down and keep you down. The women who I admire that, you know, Chelsea and I wrote that book about gutsy women are women mm -hmm. who are not just in it for themselves. Whatever it is that motivates you, 
have something bigger than yourself that is going to get you up in the morning and keep going because it can be brutal out there. It can be <laughs> incredibly difficult. You can be called a nasty woman for heaven's sakes. Um, so what you've got to do is just believe, not just in yourself alone, but in what you're trying to do for others. And that will keep you motivated no matter what. Don't go away, because when we come back, we'll have more of this interview with Secretary Clinton. Welcome back to The Daily Social Distancing Show. Here is more of my interview with Hillary Clinton. Let me ask you this question is, are you now ready to wear a mask now that Donald Trump has finally put one on? I'm assuming you just haven't been wearing one waiting for this moment. Yeah, no, I mean, I've actually been wearing one and, I, I think, you know, better late than never, I guess. Uh, my daughter had a great tweet, which I retweeted, where she said, look, I'm not being sarcastic. If he would sell masks with his face on him and go ahead and make the money, at least it would send a good message. So now that he has been seen once in a mask, maybe uh, those people who still, you know, take their cues from him will similarly start wearing masks because we're in a desperate situation again, Trevor. I mean, look, I mean, Florida, if it were an individual country right now, would have the fourth highest rate in the world after the overall U.S. and Brazil mm-hmm. and India. So, uh, you know, we are a long way from getting this um, under control. But there's no denying that every country, once they got an idea of what the coronavirus was, handled it differently. When you look back at the way America handled it, once people understood how severe this was, where do you think President Trump went wrong? Or where do you think a a, a good president would have done something differently? Well, I I think you have to start with um, uh, President Trump's uh, total hostility towards science, evidence, facts, logic, reason. He is a showman. He is a reality TV star. He likes to try to bend reality to suit his own uh, preferences. And he clearly started hearing about this back in January through intelligence briefings that he either read or he didn't read. But even before that, he had disbanded the uh, unit within the National Security Council that would try to get ahead of and follow Uh, the development of pandemics abroad. He had really made it clear that he was more interested in the optics than the facts when the uh, virus first hit. And he kept saying, you know, we have 15 cases, it'll be over soon. So you've got to begin and end with his total um, lack of leadership, his indifference toward what this virus has cost us, not only in lives, but in jobs and livelihoods. And then now, of course, he doesn't want to hear from our leading infectious disease experts like Dr. Fauci. He doesn't want to hold uh, the even the sham of the meetings that he used to hold to try to talk about it. He's, he's hoping that it either goes away or it leaves our attention span so that he can get back to, you know, pretending to be president. You, you, you very rightfully call him a showman. I mean, that's something we all acknowledge. Donald Trump has an uncanny ability to put on a show and just really, you know, suck all of the attention that the media wants to give him. There has to be a part of you that, that you know, I guess is, is, is a little angry at that because, I mean, when you're running for president, a lot of it in America specifically is about putting on the show. 
Do you do you sometimes wish there was a like a like a, a test that you'd have to write? Is there some because you're sitting at home and you have so many of these answers and you've studied so hard, but really you got you, you got beaten by a showman who just knew how to win the ratings. How do you feel about that when you see what America is going through now? Well, it breaks my heart um, because I tried to warn people um, during the campaign that he was not fit for the office, he wasn't prepared for the office, that his. Uh, his, his appeals to the basest instincts among us was really setting us up for even more divisiveness. And then I saw it literally from the inauguration forward. Um, I take no pleasure in that because look, I, I wanna root for America. I wanna root for anybody who's our president. It's just hard to see what he's done to the office, his undermining of our institutions, his, his absolute disregard for the rule of law. And I think you're right that it is, it's painful uh, for me, um, but I think for many Americans who expected better. Uh, even people who voted for him uh, expected him to rise to the job. And increasingly that has become, you know, just impossible to expect any longer. I have to ask you about Roger Stone. Help me understand, A, why do presidents or should presidents have the power to pardon anybody, especially someone who's related to them in a case? And secondly, what precedent could Trump be setting for America slash do you think it's going to be a precedent where a president says, I will pardon anybody who protects me by not snitching? Well, I think you just summed up why Roger Stone was pardoned. I mean, he basically threatened Trump. You know, he basically said, I sure don't want to go to jail and I sure have a lot more to say. And boy, I just wish there'd be somebody who could stop me from having to go to jail. And guess what? You know, Trump intervened. This is an extension of the total disregard for the rule of law. The pardon power is supposed to be used for compassionate purposes, uh, to try to right wrongs, to try to make sure that people are not uh, being punished unfairly or have been punished enough. And in this case, it's a continuation of the cover-up because the one thing that Trump is fearful of uh, when it comes to his being president is that finally we will see how illegitimate his victory actually was and how he was involved in uh, the uh, seeking of foreign help and then the utilization of it and how Roger Stone was critical to that. But, you know, unless Trump is defeated at the polls in November, we will never really know everything there is to know about this really deep, ongoing uh, uh, dismantling of institutions and undermining the rule of law and the original sin of uh, the way that he actually um, won the election. So Roger Stone was in the middle of it all. And uh, that's why, you know, Trump had to cover it up. Well, Secretary Clinton, thank you so much for taking the time today. Um, I hope you enjoy the gardening, your walks in the woods, and hopefully you'll be back out in the streets saying I told you so sooner than later. I look forward to that, Trevor. And stay healthy and stay safe yourself. Will do. Thank you very much. Thank you so much again for that, Secretary Clinton. That's our show for tonight. But before we go... America is facing a nationwide poll worker shortage. And it's because most poll workers are over 60, and with COVID still in the air, they are understandably not showing up. 
but fewer poll workers means fewer polling stations are gonna be open, and it means longer lines that not everybody can afford to stay and wait in, especially people of color in working class areas. But the good news is, most poll working is paid, and in some states, you can be as young as 16 to do it. So if you're interested and you have the time to be a poll worker and be, you have the time to increase the chances of your democracy succeeding, this is your chance to save granny, protect your democracy, and get paid. Sign up at the link below to learn more. Until tomorrow, stay safe out there and wear a mask like the president. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.